Welcome, fellow anglers, to the Working Class Fishing Podcast, a place for all anglers, amateur or expert, to share their stories and learn about fishing. Join your hosts, John and Brian, each episode as they debunk the perceived inaccessibility to fishing, break down the barriers of any and all angling methods, and hear stories from other anglers and their own journeys with fishing. Now, let's get this show started. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian. Out here is John, and he has our sponsors for you. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I'm John Morris, and this episode of the Working Class Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Troutlander Nets, exploration through innovation, Max and Outfitters, made by anglers for people that fish, lid rig, use your head, snip different, and Morris Flyco eating big. Everyone, tonight we have an absolute pleasure. If you've never met him, you're going to tonight and you're going to love him. Or maybe you'll hate him, but you'll probably love him. And uh, it is one of our near and dear friends, Nate Camp. Nate, Nate Camp is my favorite crayon eater. And I've got to say, thanks so much for coming on to talk with us tonight, dude. Yeah, no worries. I'm here, even if the Army didn't invite me. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, dude, so we, we know a lot about you, but for all the folks out here listening in, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe how you got into fishing and kind of how you transitioned to the fishing that you do now? Uh, I am a chef by trade currently, or was before COVID and all that. Now, now I do it freelance, do whatever job needs to be done. Um, I was in the Marine Corps. I got a young daughter, five years old, wife who works very hard to keep us going. And uh, I started fishing when I was really young. It was usually just sunfish, bass, whatever was on the end of the line. And that's anywhere from uh, Cape Cod, where I grew up, up through Maine and New Hampshire and into New Brunswick, Canada, where a good portion of my family lives. And I got into Tenkara, which is my primary fish getter right now through a pass around through a a site called bushcraft usa and there was someone that had a tankara rod to pass around it was the rodo and i got it for a month and about two weeks into that i sent it to the next person because i already had mine in the way oh dang (laughs) cool I was like, yep, someone else's turn to get hooked because I'm I'm all the way on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you got you oh, go got started with uh Tenkara basically by you know uh kind of like a uh a sharing circle, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. It, and I've got a I've got a few other people hooked on it that way as well. Like I have I'm gonna have to go back and check my notes, but I think I got three rods in circulation right now that I haven't laid hands on in two years, but they've been, I think a total of about eight people have handled them. Dang. Dang. Oh, I, I let them, I let them fish it until either they're tired of it or they're ready to buy theirs and send it on. Well, that's awesome, dude. That is, that is truly building community. But yeah, that's man. a lot of, that's a lot of trust though, too, man. Yeah, it takes a little bit of back and forth, and I don't even mention it. People that, that get it, they don't know they're getting it until I'm like, hey, would you want to try this rod? So I, it's a little hard to keep my mouth shut when I'm like, boy, do I have something for you? <laughs> well, I, think, I just send it out. Well, you know, and I think that, uh, your willingness there, you know, right out of the gate to, to say like, Hey, I'm going to share this with you. That that's a big deal because a lot of people are like, oh, I, I'm, I'm not going to send you a rod. I'm not going to let you borrow a rod. You can go buy one and try this or, you know, come out with me for like a couple hours, but you're like, Hey, take your time with it and do everything else. I mean, that, that says a lot. That's really cool. Play with it, swing for the fences, break it. I, I'm a I'm brand ambassador for uh, Tinkar Adventure Outfitters. So uh, I have a discount through them and affiliate and all that. And 
if someone someone messes up a rod, I'm going to order the parts. I'm going to ship them to you. You're going to fix it and then hand it to the next person. Because you hey, can, that's just, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You can show someone how to do it or you can throw them feet first into the water and watch them swim. <laughs> so learned, well, go ahead, man. I'm just saying I learn better by getting thrown in. So I teach everyone else the same way. Uh, understandably so what was the allure of fixed line that just that you just knew that this was it dude at that point i hadn't fished regularly in over probably six or seven years and the day i went to boot camp i went fishing four times that morning or the day before i went up to boston for to ship the next day and uh I fished two, three times a day, every day, all through middle school and high school. I was a very common sight to see me hoofing it down a mile long road to a, to a beach or brook or whatever. And then uh, I went for a long dry spell, you know, going to boot camp, being in the Marine Corps helped with that. And then yeah. it was something I just didn't have time for when I got out and it had been away from it for so long. It was cold turkey. It was like, okay, yeah, I don't really need to go fish. But then someone mentioned the uh, pass around to me and said, yeah, go get it on that. And I was the first one to get it. And it was like being a kid and having a roll of uh, braid or mono and a couple of hooks in the backpack and being like, oh, I don't have a fishing rod. Like, well, make it happen. But it was like really cool making it happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, in in your entire <clears throat> time in, in in the Marine Corps, uh, you you didn't even have a chance while you were active duty to really continue on fishing. That I I know uh, I I recall from like recruiting videos when I was in high school and stuff where they're like, oh yeah, you go stay at this camp or this fort, and they got fishing and golf, and they like show people, you know, it's all the sales pitch, right? Uh, but but uh, you didn't really have that opportunity while you were there. Transitioning back in, did you really consider like, you know, you, even afterwards you were busy, family, work, everything else, establishing career, obviously. Uh, did, did you give it thought to get back into it prior to this hand around? I mean, or was it just kind of like it fell in your lap? Yeah, there was a couple of times it was like, oh, yeah, I'd go fishing with people. I'd usually borrow a rod or whatever. But it was like, yeah, I went fishing last weekend and then it was two weeks ago and then it was three weeks ago. It was just, I went fishing when I was in California, like I went pier fishing and stuff. But that's not like, that's not what gets me. I like to hunt them down. I like, I like to sight fish as much as I can. Just dropping, dropping bait off a pier wasn't, it wasn't, it was like familiar. And I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm fishing again. But it wasn't like, yeah, man, I'm fishing again. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said is is that why you prefer um blue lining so often yeah i'm on top of them man i'm bringing the fight to the trout i'm down behind bushes and rocks and when i'm on the good gradient ones i'm i'm at eye level i'm crouching behind the behind the rocks into the pool and i'm just dangling into the, into their face they don't even know i'm there love it <laughs> that's awesome dude reach out and grab them <laughs> yeah so with some of your gear you've got going on um what's your favorite rod currently that you have and i know that's probably not an easy question but um yes. at this at this time what is your favorite rod that you have bad axe from uh tenkara profiters okay it's a uh it's a zoom rod so Fully extended, it's a, I believe it's 11 feet, five inches. And then the next station down is nine feet, 10, I believe. Okay. So it's not much of a difference, but it's, it's enough when you're staring at the undersides of maples and hemlocks and all that. Oh yeah, no, that makes a huge difference, dude. Like I've got a, I've got a 10 foot Euro and I've got an 11 foot Euro. It's a, it's a big difference, dude, mm -hmm. a big difference. So your your streams that you're fishing then uh, predominantly they're they're kind of uh, 
they're pretty heavily brushed everything else and and you're talking you know getting real stealth with these fish um you know did you come about that just by you know fishing constantly seeing like when you walk up to the river they spook off easy or uh is that just a tactic that you've been using for a long time i i'm pretty observant uh myself like uh very detailed driven and very for a long time in kitchens i made all the ravioli so if you know anything about making ravioli you're going to know that meticulousness is kind of an understatement because every <laughs> every everyone has to be different or every everyone has to be the same but slightly different like you have to but my differences were all the same like every third one would have that little twist in it and but it's it's that kind of focus and attention to detail that really pushed it because i'm like yeah i want to catch that fish and then where'd he go why is he why is he leaving and then looking up online and reading different things and just working my my approach in now i just john will laugh at me but i stay low go fast no i don't i don't laugh at that at all <laughs> <laughs> little little mo little moto thing to say there yeah dude <laughs> and i've changed it too a little bit yeah. stay low fast catch fist first cast <laughs> i like it that, that, needs to get, that needs to be on a, a coffee cup dude yep <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. kind of like that whole forrest gump thing you know with the with the smiley face or shit happens sticker you know you got those <laughs> That's it. <laughs> be the next big thing. It'll be like in every gift shop, you know, at every major fishing place. Every mountain from here to here to Katahdin. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so um for everyone just just kinda, I guess. So we, we talked about fixed line, we mentioned Tinkara, but um I guess everybody can go back and listen to everybody's other episodes, but just to in case you don't know, Tinkara is this a uh, fixed line form of fly fishing uh, originated in Japan. Um, like I said, you can go back to other episodes. You can talk to Nate if you're interested in about any of this stuff. Just uh, just thought I'd mention that because we, we have had a lot of Tinkara anglers on. And um, I don't think we've really talked about what Tinkara is since we had Nick on. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's just you, the rod, line, and the fly. And Tenkara is, it's a specific small stream presentation driven form of fishing, but I'm a member of the uh, fixed line freaks and we don't care how you do it. You're using a rod line and fly. Good on you, bud. What kind of fly are you using? You using a house and lot? Wooly bugger? I don't care. Do it. It doesn't have to be a kabari, but if you are good on you, I don't catch fish <laughs> you've, you've got a couple you've got a couple patterns like the uh well the camp's dry which we can talk about here in a second but i'm trying to remember the other one that's like uh, it was like the low something i think and i don't remember amanda was just using it in, in, up in the white uh white mountains uh tail tucker Tail Tucker, that's what it is, dude. <laughs> that thing yeah. is sick, dude. It's named entirely by the method of tying because it's it's a very long fibered feather that's uh, palmered forward over a wire wrap, and then the wire wrap is open wrapped over that on the back side of the stem of the feather on each turn. So that whole hackle is tied down into a bushy feather, bushy uh, tail rather. Gotcha. And then it gets another hackle that stands out, a collar a peacock, and you're off to the races. Dude, it, I mean, it, it catches fish, but seriously, this next one, we camps dry. Dude, so that is my go-to dry fly. It doesn't matter what they're eating. It doesn't. It, it's, it's crushed on still water, dude. It's, it's crushed on your, your Lodic your lotic fish i don't know what it is but they absolutely destroy that fly like what 
what was it, it, it resembles like when I look at it, I think humpy and dry it, right? But what what was the thought process on camps dry, dude? I wanted something that had that wing that stood up, but I wanted that smooth shellback that you see on a lot of a lot of insects. And I was I was looking at a few of them, and the first variation was uh, deer hair tied in by its tips and then folded forward and then cut off. Then with the typical caddis wing above that, but I was just that didn't appeal to me because there's a lot of a lot of extra extra hair and fiddling around with it. So I tied in at the bend of the hook with the the wing that I wanted standing up as a tail. And then I just put a simple uh, thread base down, palmered forward, some small stiff hackle, and then tied down the butts of the feathers and cut it off in your typical caddis head. And the, one of the first times I tied it, I showed it to a buddy of mine. He says, that, that doesn't catch fish. <laughs> and I said, no, it does. Grabs them by the mouth and pulls them out of the water. <laughs> That's a good, that's, that's a good rebuttal. That's about what it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, dude, I've, I've tied it in olive. I've tied it in white. I've tied it, uh, tied it in wine. It doesn't matter what color the camp's dry is. It's going to catch fish, I swear. <laughs> I don't, it's seriously like the best dry fly I've ever used. Dead of winter, man. I was fishing uh, January it doesn't matter. It was January something. It was it was a little bit of a warmer day than usual, and uh, it's it's a wild class one trout stream here. So that means year round you can fish at single barbless hook, and it's just overrun with browns. And I was I was smashing them. Middle of winter, dry flies. Yeah. <laughs> Great. It it it, it the the body and the head and everything else it just mimics so many different varieties of hatches and so and so uh we were talking about fly sizes before we stopped we started because we were talking about you know fickle fish and you know how how bad the dry bite's been at least for me out west here um <clears throat> on your on your size of that fly what what is kind of like your go-to starter you, you start small and work your way up or you just have kind of like your general size one size 14 14 yep uh, i have tied it larger and smaller 14 does it 14's the size it does it consistently i've i've tied them all the way down into 22s <laughs> and uh they eat them but the 14 is literally i don't know why but that's the size that's what they like it's small yeah. enough to not give away like the hook profile but it's big enough to look like a serious snack <laughs> you know there's a lot to be said about gauging the right size on flies you know because it, you get so many different varieties of hatches depending on the time of year and uh, sometimes your window for that dry is is literally a sliver of time and then other times it's like all day long you got you know you could have you know betas popping off or you, you know you have uh, stoneflies popping off whatever you know pick pick whatever bug you want right uh, you can have all of those popping off throughout the year but if you've got if you've got a universal dry pattern pinned down that works that good I mean why why would you change anything with it I mean, that's really the essence of like finding the Swiss army knife lure. Yeah. You know, we have spoons that work just like that with conventional tackle, you know, and then, you know, obviously the woolly bugger is the old go-to standard on the still water. Doesn't really matter what color, you know, sometimes it does, but for the most part, it's like, if you got a woolly bugger in your box, you're good to go. But if you got a dry like that, you know, why else would you, why would you be tying duns on or, or, you know, um, midges or anything like that if you got something that's going to be that active one of my favorite parts of it is being on tenkara i one of the the tenants is you fish the fly as you want it it's technique to put the fly subsurface or keep it at the top and i'll do the same thing with this one and i'll catch as many 
easily with that fly sunk to the bottom. If you get it in a good good riffle or a plunge and it gets sucked down, it'll get hit down there. And I, I don't see a house and lot or a wolf really pulling that kind of numbers because I've fished them like that. And when that dries down there, it, it, it pulls them. Dude, the, uh, the only dry that I have that typically have good numbers with when it's sunk is, is a Griffith snap. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that was the reason I did the full hackle body underneath the deer hair. Because for a long time, Griffith's Nat was the only only one I was putting on because it was the easiest dry to tie. And oh, yeah. I, do what I wanted. Like, yeah, I, I'd pull a 30, 30 fish day on a house and lot. But why spend the time tying one house and lot when I can tie six Griffiths and do similar? Exactly. <laughs> so we, we talked about your rod. Uh, are you a are you a furled line kind of guy? Or are you a level line kind of guy? What do you do? I fish furled. Uh, okay. I like a shorter line than most people, probably because of the virtue of me getting down on my hands and knees or low crawling into a hole just to make sure the trout don't see me. I'll come home and, with a muddy, muddy belly. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and uh do you, do you have any akari um boxes i don't um i have a hacklemore hatch stack okay he knows it's an aluminum machined aluminum tube with a uh, a coil of like a just like a rubber coil that up the inside of it and i have a wheatley spring box for my bigger stuff okay and for my lines, I use little, these little discs that you can get from, from Tao, from Tinkara and Vintage Outfitters. There's a, there's a little silicon disc with two compartments on them for a couple extra flies. And the part I really like is it has a lip that folds over the line once you've wrapped it on. So you don't need to worry about it coming undone. I carry one in my pocket. I'm not wearing my, my outdoor pants right now, but I carry one in my pocket wherever I go. I've had one in my pocket wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. Never know. <laughs> I'll, I'll fish that line without the rod, too. The great thing about the the attachment point for the furled line, where it attaches to the tippet, the, uh, not the tippet, to the uh, Lillian on the car rod, it has a big loop. So you just do the same girth hitch on that and put it around your middle finger. You, you just drop that fly in the water and let it go downstream. Give it a couple tugs. I've done it. <laughs> I'll do well, it again. <laughs> you know, that, that was something else I was going to ask because the correlation of the, the bushcrafting and then going to the 10 car, you know, the very basic. I was wondering if you had ever, uh, you know, really done a lot of improvised fishing uh, using those same methodologies. Like, you go out and, and let's say you want to go out and do some bushcraft or some survival just for fun, whatever, you know, keep your skills sharp. Uh, I was going to ask you ever just go cut a branch and, and fish that way. I'd, I'd hand line it first before I went cutting branches. I, I'll cut when I need to for, for green wood and stuff, but I'm, it's faster and more effective for me to just hand line it. I got a little, uh, little spool that I keep in my backpack and if I if I'm not with a Tenkara rod which is almost never I'll, I'll be set with the hand line and I used I used that a lot when I was a kid because it was easily concealed when parental unit would say we're not fishing today I was like okay and I'd have a <laughs> I'd have a roll of fire line in my back pocket with the mm -hmm. with the middle spokes cut out of it so I could just use it in my hand yeah, <laughs> yeah. That works. The, the first time I ever had seen any kind of like hand line type rigging, I mean, obviously fishing as a kid, I'd go steal the spool of leader out of my dad's tackle box with some hooks and split shot, go, go find some worms or go grab a jar of, you know, salmon eggs or whatever, go fish. Right. But yep. the first time I'd ever seen like actually using the spool of hand line was uh, actually shad fishing with some uh, folks. 
and uh, they they cook a rod, and I'm like, oh hey, we're just going to cast out there and do this. Well, they took a uh, like a grocery bag, like Safeway plastic bag or bonds, whatever you know, pick your grocery store, and you put your you put the rock in it, and you tie it to the end of your line, and you take it, you heave it way out in the river channel. He goes ploosh, and it hits the bottom. Well, it's not good for the environment, but that's what these people did. And um, then we took a swivel with a banana weight and like 12 jigs and we lowered that down and it went down in the current. And every time the rod would go, you know, you want to go grab the rod, but you grab the line and you'd hand line them up. And, you know, you might have three or four fish on the jigs as you're hand lining them up and stacking them on the bay. It's, it's, it, it's a different kind of fishing because you're not getting the tug on the rod or anything else. You're like, just got nothing but straight pulling. You're pulling and winding and pulling and winding. It's actually a lot of fun. I'd put uh, pyramid weights on, uh, I just go down to Walmart and buy a, a new spool line every month or so because it gets ripped up. But I go to the Cape Cod Canal as a kid and I have two rods going. I'd have bait on my my uh, my casting rod and I'd get it way, way out there and then I'd hand line a lot because you'd catch a lot of smaller stuff up near the rocks with the hand line. And that was the action I was about. Like, yeah, the bait's sinking, it's soaking over there. It's cool. If that rod starts dancing, I'll take care of it. But th this hand line is where it's at because – even if I'm dropping them back in the water, I got 12 rockfish and everyone else sitting there has nothing. So <laughs> Man. I got to catch something. Yeah. So much fun though. Maybe it's ADHD. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to stare at the line going into the water. I want to stare at the fish come out of it. Yeah. So we've talked about what about, so TAO, they have that, handy pack right yes the net that's that is for me a game changer because i like maybe it's the marine corps maybe it's the bushcraft maybe it's just me as that focused uh detail driven guy i want everything to be tight as possible i don't like flapping gear i don't like flapping straps i get i got a roll of black electrical tape in my pack just in case <laughs> tie it all down do the jump check before you go and that net i went from using just an eagle claw wooden frame net to that thing that's awesome because it's on my hip and if i'm wearing if i'm on a ruck i still have my tenkara stuff with me because that's how compact it is it's perfect i get 45 pounds in my pack and i'm gonna do four or five miles you I'm in Connecticut in a place where I know damn right that four or five miles is going to cross at least two or three streams. Put a, put a pause on the workout timer and see what I could come up with. <laughs> That's what I'm training for anyway. And practice how you play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got, got to train how you fight, dude. Yeah. Hell so, yeah. yeah. That net spring loaded, man. Just it's out and up. My daughter doesn't go near it. She waits till I pull it. <laughs> One time she's like, I got the net and ripped, ripped it out of the, the holster. I was like, no, you don't want to do that. Just... <laughs> Bang, once open. A, oh, like, like, once you get a hang for it, like, you know, your, your trigger discipline on the net, you keep one finger down on it. It doesn't, it doesn't uncoil. It's just enough to hold it in place. So if I'm like, is he on? Am I, am I going to have to net this? <laughs> I'll stand there, but I will not fish with it open. That's just bad luck. I can't do that. <laughs> if I'm out and I have the fish coming in and I open the net, dip it in the water and I get him. Fine. If he throws the net, if he throws before he gets in the net, I'm sticking the butt of my rod in behind my chest pack. I'm folding that net down, putting it back in my pocket and then I'll start fishing again. It's not, it's not staying out. <laughs> you're not so you're not you're not superstitious you're just a little stitious slightly stitious <laughs> <laughs> well, do, you, do you eat bananas while you're out fishing i barely eat i'll go all day without eating no, it's just, this old uh old sailor thing you know you never bring bananas on the boat it's bad luck yeah but, but yet we have a lotion called banana boat like, yeah the with, oddity of that yeah so yeah, I know. I've been thinking about that for a while. So, is that lotion like cursed for fishermen? 
Well, I don't use banana boat when I'm out fishing, so uh, I don't know. But uh, I don't. I've never used banana boat, but my mama used to. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, come something. here. Let's put it on big white gob on your nose. There, you know. You're gonna manifest something, bud. Just, just drop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's. Every time I go three belt, belt, belt holes in. I don't catch anything, so I have to leave my waders a little loose. So I, I, I only go two in. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 tie, I tie my shoes left, then right. If I don't, it's not going to catch anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing it. I, it's just so funny where, where you have like those little superstitions because the, the net thing holds true. Like you're, you're out there, you're getting ready to go, and somebody's like, you know, let, let's say you have a big landing net or something like that. Somebody stretches that thing out, nobody catches any fish. But as soon as the thing's way up on the bank, somebody, you know, catches something and it's like, wait a minute, I got to run up. I got to get the net, you know, and they're running like 150 yards up the bank to go get the net. And that's when the days are best is like, just throw that thing in the brush. When we hook the fish, somebody else can go up there and go dig for it. Well, that I got a scientific approach to that reasoning. You're focused. You got a net in your hand. You, you, you're, you're now thinking about two hands. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a little different for you guys stripping line and stuff, but still like now you can't strip line because you gotta got right. a net in your hand like if the net is out of sight out of mind you're golden and that's why i love it on the belt because i know it's there mm -hmm. it's got one gun one place every time man i know exactly where it is and i don't hold it open because then i'm focused on holding that net and not dropping it in the water <laughs> dude i uh i'm i've not anymore, but I was bad about like pulling my net out like soon as I'd hook the fish, and then it'd like it'd like shake it or it'd spit it, and I'd be like, uh, you know, maybe maybe I should not be so gung ho on the net and wait till I actually get it closer. And that's what I started doing, and I've been a lot more successful. <laughs> yeah, keep it close. The last few times that I've caught a really big fish, like really big for what I'm fishing, it I'm saying like anywhere between 10 to 14 inches for what I'm fishing. That's monstrous. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll be guilty. I got a video of me with the net already in my hands, sliding down a big rock on my butt. I'm thinking <laughs> to myself and I'm like, yeah, man, why is the net in my hand already? Like my feet aren't even in the water yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just that thrill. You know, once you get the fish on, it's like, I want to see this thing, you know? Uh, I mean, I've, I've watched so many different times, like just these, these, like, I mean, they're, they're spectacles to watch guys reeling up lines, trying not to get crossed, grabbing nets, running across the boat, yelling. I, it's just like, you got, you got all this stuff flying everywhere, hooks and everything. And it's like, hold on a second, man, just get that fish wore out, you know, get it up to the boat and then, you know, worry about the netting. Just let the person who's got it on enjoy the little bit of that fight. You know, that's, that's a big thing. Enjoy it. Round the yeah. bases. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and do you find, uh, you know, in, in your neck of the woods, do you, do you have like a lot of real high intensity guys that are just like out there. They're like, I got to catch fish. And if I don't catch fish, it's going to be a bad day or, um are you fish in pretty remote areas where you're not around a lot of people when i fish with my daughter I'm, i am closer to people uh when i am exploring sometimes i'll stumble upon a spot that's easier to get to from a different way i didn't know i hiked two miles over a ridge and down i probably dumped about 600 feet in about 20 minutes and on the east coast that's something <laughs> but i got down to the stream that i was going for and i was like hell yeah and i look up and down it no one there perfect by the time i had my rod out and mind you it's a quick setup it's like sub 60 seconds to get my rod fully assembled and ready to go and i'm looking at my fly test testing my davy knot making sure i'm good and i look up and there's this 90 year old man in waders standing in the middle of the water like he materialized. <laughs> oh, man. Where, 
hell did he come from? <laughs> well, then, then you figure out that there's a road across the way that he walked down and you just went like, you know, hardcore mountaineering. And he's just like, oh, I parked my truck over there and I came down and I'm just fishing. Exactly. <laughs> Unmarked on the map. Unmarked paved road. Wow. This wow. thing, the, the, the asphalt wasn't even hard yet. Like, <laughs> it was a road for years and they just paved it so it's not on anything so now i know where to go park yeah yeah it... <laughs> i can't I? count the no amount chance. of times yeah uh, i i can't count the amount of times out here where you, you take off on a forest service road and you see like a couple good little creeks and you're like hey i'm gonna stop here and fish you know and and you, you you hike down hike down and then you find out that there was another fire road lower and that there might be two or three guys you know either downstream or upstream of you and you're like you know how would you have known because the the road to get there was like all the way around another canyon and over a mountain and everything else but in your case yeah they just put that road in that's crazy another time i was standing in the middle standing in the middle of the stream and uh i was fishing downstream everybody yells at me to fish upstream but i already did that now i'm fishing downstream behind me <laughs> i'm, I'm going to fish all of it because i can mm -hmm. and i had tied i put a different line on that i have that's just a probably about four feet longer than the other one and i have this little streamer that i tie that's unweeded it's just a squirrel's onker palmered up it and then it's got a pheasant collar and it's i fish it like the other one i fish it dry until it's wet and I'm just dancing it back and forth across the stream. And then right between my legs floats one of those blue styrofoam worm containers. It just floats yeah. right downstream and I pull the net out and I grab it and I open it up and they're wriggling in there. And I turn around and there's a dad and four kids <laughs> on the bank. One of the yeah. kids just up the thing into the river and just happened to come down by me. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's hard to find a truly wild place. Yeah, it is. Especially a, where got, you're at. I got a couple of them that are uh, they're hiking trail access, and the people that want to go hike there aren't the people that want to go fish there, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And we go to I go to one with my daughter because it is a good hiking trail on the way in. She likes to hike as much as she likes to fish. And we hiked in, and we dropped into the river, and we started working our way up. And we're sitting there, and I'm tying on a new fly, and she's sucking down her applesauce pouch perched on a rock taking a break out of the cold water and this big rope dragger rope excuse me rope dragger of a tom turkey walks right out of the brush right into the middle of the stream and he's standing there like rods length away from me i could have poked him with it if i tried to he didn't even know we were there she drops the pouch dad look a turkey yeah. i think just goes That's, yeah just yeah. erupts yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those places are good though that like when you can find something that's just not many people around when the wildlife will come down and not even know you're there that's it's a good spot mm -hmm. that that's them them special places the undisturbed yeah nate so sorry i've been at work all day um dave what are some of your plans you've got coming up? I mean, we, we talked about Nate Camp, but we didn't talk about Camp Kabari. Um, so well, why, don't you, why don't you hit us with that? Well, for a long time, I started tying flies right about the time that I started uh, fishing. Uh, right after the pass round, someone else sent me advice. Just sent me advice. This is yours now. I don't use it. It was one of those Cabela's sets with most of the basics and then another guy i know he's he sent me a shoebox and when i opened the shoebox i don't know how he got everything in there and compacted but that was another case of just everything just pouring out and it was like foxtails and like squirrel and half used spools of lead and wire and just bags of partridge feathers and all kinds of stuff i'm sitting there looking at him like that this is a lot of cool stuff and that and that's not just for fly tying <laughs> I started started tying. I was a little. I, I imagine most people. I was pretty uh, pretty all over the place for 
a little while at the beginning, but then that same kitchen, same detail kicked in and all right, now I know it's 25 wraps of thread down to the, to the bend. And I know about four or five back up. I want to put this on and that on. I started tying more and more of the same fly rather than just freestyling it every time I sat down. And I got a couple of requests through uh, Instagram. People wanted to buy flies and I had no idea what to sell flies for or even what to tie them. Like, well, what do you want? And then fast forward a couple of years later, I was contemplating tying and selling them. And I tied a whole stock and put them in a box and forgot about them in the closet. And then I decided, you know, what, I'm just going to do it and sell them because I'm tired of this one, 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 two customer thing, get private messages. People like, oh, can you tie me six of this or that? I started an Etsy called the Camp Kabari. And then I found that box of stock too. And that went on there and now I can't keep up. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> That's good. Right now, oh. as we're talking, the top of my screen keeps dropping down notifications. Wow. I, you know, that's good though, <clears throat> because I, in, in my honest personal opinion, I would rather see people buying flies from people like yourself, John, all of that, rather than going down to their sporting goods store. Because uh, the other thing that comes with the, the types of flies that you guys are tying, and, and maybe you'll elaborate on this, is uh, advice on how to fish them effectively. For people that aren't very familiar, you get a lot of people asking you like, how, how do you fish that camp dry? Or, you know, how do you fish, you know, the tail tucker, you know, or, or just naming any fly that you're tying. You get a lot of people asking you about that. I get a few. Yeah. And uh, I'm happy to tell you, and I'll, I'll tell you how to tie it. If you, if you tie it too, and you want to do it yourself and you bought it from me, maybe if you didn't buy it from me, you want to know how to tie it. Sure. I'll tell you. I'll, I have an article in uh, Tinkara Angler on the dry fly right now if you're looking for directions <laughs> so that's cool i wrote that up and submitted it to them because i had enough people asking me like, how do you tie that because it looks way more complicated than it actually is it it looks pretty pretty hardcore when you look at the side of the profile until you break it down like oh that's just a little bit of hair and a little bit of feather and there you go but yeah i, I like that camp's dry, I just tell people to fish. Just cast it out there. If you're on Western gear, put it out there. Put something heavy on the other end of it. Because if it sinks, it's going to be just as, as successful on top as the bottom. So get it out there. Tandem it up. If you're on 10 car, just do a whole 180. Cast it upstream. Drift it right by your feet. Keep it on the water the whole time. Just let it go. And when it gets down to the end, just lift it up, skate it back and forth a few times. And more often than not, you're going to get a hit right there. And then just turn it over back upstream and do it again. Dude, it's a, uh, I'm going to have to try to fish it subsurface. I've been Euro nymphing like a dirty bastard for a while now. And um, I'm going to do that, dude. I'm, I'm totally gonna that's i'm gonna i'm gonna do two tungsten flies and i'm gonna run that on on my top on my third fly that i i haven't run tandems yet i'm i've been holding off on it i don't know why i just haven't probably because the creeks some fishing yeah support but i'll fish interchangeably like i'll have a pheasant tail in that and i'll be fishing them both through that plunge around those rocks and even underneath that's been it's been outperforming the just the sawyer style pheasant tail man yeah if you can if you can get it down there and, and like you were saying john you know using it running it as the third flight because it's going to probably give those two tungstens just a little bit of buoyancy above the bottom too you know just enough you know a lot of people get overboard on buoyancy either they go too much or not enough and, and and they can never find that balance it's right for that drift you know you keep everything running through but um that, i think i think that's a pretty solid plan on that because that sounds to me like it's just like the, the pattern can either range from you know your surface your full adult to a merger you know it's like right in there so 
that, that's a that's a pretty cool way to really give that advice. And and for people that don't dress their flies with like the dry fly, you know, stuff, uh, you know, it's still fishable as a dry, you know, you give it a few runs through the air to dry it off and put it back out there or, you know, redress it. Or you can fish it through the multitude of different ranges because if you're not really getting a, a consistent, you know, surface feed, then obviously the fish aren't going to stop eating their pigs. They're going to eat all the time, but you just got to figure out where they're eating at. Yeah. And getting, uh, like I said, with that one and other ones, I'll fish it top to bottom. I don't know what, I don't care what the pattern is. Uh, if it sinks, it sinks. It's going to get hit down there too. <laughs> Dude, I'm, 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 I'm really thinking about this like a lot now because uh, when you're running a three fly rig, you have like all this separation between throughout the water column and you can literally just raise, you know, raise, raise your tip or draw in some line and you can literally float that as a dry and then still have two mid column flies. At, I mean, who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> I understand that with playing the rod to, to put your fly where you want it. Cause one of my flies has been fishing uh, the tail tucker it's a it's a jig hook with a copper bead on it and i've been fishing that for lack of a better ex expression dry i'll just hold my rod up and high stick it right at the surface and when it goes somewhere that i think it should be down the bottom i'll let it go down to the bottom but it, it's the same thing it's in technique which is a big part of tinkara's technique of putting it where you want it keeping it there Dude, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, and also, you know, not having to adjust your weight, you know, just going up or down. That, that's that's just so simple. And I think a lot of people overlook that with the Tenkara as well. Is that, uh, you know, and even with Western Fly, I think people get so wound up with the weight versus just making minor adjustments. Like, uh, you know, I, we talk about like covering a run, you know, and making sure that we cover each part of that run. Well, covering a run is not only surface area, but it's also water column depth. So you start working that run over. Maybe you start with your rod tip straight out from you, and then you come up 10 degrees, then you come up 10 degrees, and you continue working that entire run until there's going to be a fish somewhere there. They can see up. They can't see down, but they can see up. Eventually, you're either going to get above the fish or you're going to smack it in the face. And if you're working that run incrementally, something's going to flash and pop and, or maybe you've ran it through enough that it drew a fish in from a different section, or maybe you're fishing a shelf or something like that. And they're popping out from under the shelf or a boulder or they're tucked in underneath. And, and it's just like that continuous working, but that, that simplicity, that's the beauty of the simplicity of thin car. One of the things people say to me is that they get tired of having their arm up or the wrist is a beautiful thing. And you can put it at any angle you want. And I hold mine about a 45. And if I want that fly to be lower in the water, just turn my hand. And it starts bringing that rod down. You can bring it all the way down to the water doing that. Bring it right down to flat plane. But my elbow's tucked. I'm in. I'm not. I, I have done it. And I'll do it again. I'll, I'll stick my arm straight up in the air and hold that rod as far away from me as I can. But honestly, turning that hand is, the technique is spot on. It is, dude. I mean, not only Tenkara, but I mean, shit, even Euronymphin, dude. Like, you, you need a, you need, if you want to float your cider for a second, you literally just turn your wrist and then track. It's like, I'd, I mean, because when you, I don't know, I, even when I was starting Euronymphin, I thought like, oh, well, I have to have my arm up all the time. That's what people do. Well, yeah, but but there's a reason why people do it. That's what they don't tell you. It's like, oh, because I've I've casted further than I should. And now I've got to make up for this lo loss of contact in my line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Four guys standing there. Three of them have their hand in the air. One of them's untangling, and the other one's got his arm down to his side, and he's the one that keeps pulling his net out. You know which one to watch. <laughs> yeah. I see, I, I see a lot of it myself, like John was saying, I see the Statue of Liberty out on the river a lot. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in any nymphing situation, a lot of people 
they cast too far, it sinks too close. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to hang up, you know, whether, whether you're fishing convention, you know, the, the, uh, you know, Euro or, you know, more with a conventional Western fly rod, just nymphing straight up or with a Kankara. And so it, it, you, you got to kind of play with it there, but yeah, your wrist action, all of that stuff has to come into play. A lot of people don't think about that when they're, you know, beginning uh, fly fishing, they go out and they watch somebody and then they go out there and they just mimic they're, they're you know, sight learners. And so they're, they're mimicking what they see. A lot of that, there's a lot of translation of, of the muscle memory getting lost when you, when you watch someone do something. And if you're not paying attention to all those little details, what they're doing, you see the guy with their, their arm up in the air, like, okay, that's how to do it. But you don't see yourself. So you'll like hold you, you'll hold it up and you'll be like, Oh, is this far enough? Or is this slow enough? And you just, you're second guessing and and that that causes some uh heartache as well (laughs) when you're out there trying to do the technique right it took me a while to figure out a lot of a lot of fishing by myself to figure out stuff that i watched a video on and i realized no i'm I'm not doing it the way he did i think i'm doing it the way he did dude and i mean like double hauling holy shit dude like you you can watch as many double hauling videos as you want on youtube and then you see Lefty Cray, like literally not Lefty Cray, but Flip Pallet casting fly line with no rod, just his hands doing a haul. And you're like, did you really just shoot like 20 feet in your hands? Like, and it just looks effortless. And then you get out there and you're like, my wrist hurts, my shoulder hurts. I'm pretty sure I just sent that fly into the next state. And it's just like, what the fuck am I doing? And and you watch their video and then you finally record yourself because you finally think about it. You're like, oh my God, that's not, that's not even kind of close to what they're doing. <laughs> like one of those SNL videos where you see the expert. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, oh, I can do that. And he's like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> doing the funky chicken, trying to do the dance move. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it's the Chris Farley one that comes to mind when he's doing yeah, the chicken. Yeah, it, 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 I was going to say it's Chris Farley all the way. It couldn't be anybody else. Dude, <laughs> um, so what do you got coming down the pipeline? What do you fishing. got coming up? Just fishing? <laughs> fishing. Um, so my daughter just graduated, if that's the correct term, for preschool. Um, she's starting kindergarten in the fall, but until then, I'm going to get her knee-deep in water. and She just... I got the the brag going on right now. She just rounded 35 trout all by herself. Lifetime catch. So yeah, I saw that. that. Nice brown she got too. That was a oh, really yeah. nice brown. Yeah. Now that might uh, be her one. Her best, definitely her best wild. And that, that was a wild trout in the stream that was no more than seven feet wide. She had a sneak up on it. She got mad at the end after she let it go because she realized her snack bag had been hanging in the water. Oh, no. <laughs> that's the worst. No. Uh, man, the peanut butter crackers and the go-go squeezes all soaked, man. Exactly. That's, you know what's in there? <laughs> Are you out there, too? You seeing what? <laughs> you seeing what <laughs> I was just saying, I got a lot of experience with kids. Yeah. Well, she, uh, she took a habit from me. She grabs the snack bags the little plastic Ziplocs, the short ones, Mm -hmm. she drops everything into Ziplocs. That's a good idea. One day I took, I was in the house and we're getting ready to go and I take my wallet out of my back pocket and I throw it in the Ziploc and zip it back up and take my car key out and I throw it in the Ziploc and zip it back up. Why are you putting it in baggies so it doesn't get wet? She goes off to the cabinet, comes back with three or four and just shoves them loose into the bag. I was like, what are those for? my, My cheese crackers. I say, well, you're going to put them inside it? I haven't opened them yet. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys go to the, the warehouse store and go get the big mega thing and Ziploc bags just to make sure you're stocked for fishing? Nope. I, I told her the ones you took are the ones you have. Okay, that's good. <laughs> well, <laughs> touching the inside of them, we're good. Uh, that's, that's just su- super cool though because she's like already showing that that ability to be prepared to like go outside because uh, you know you'll see kids all the time 
they're like, hey, we're going to go out and play. It's like, hey, shouldn't you have a jacket? Oh, I don't need a jacket. And then the huge downpour comes. And they come back, we're cold and wet. Uh, I should have wore a jacket. Well, at least she's learning by habit. You know, she's like tucking her snacks into the bags and, you know, getting everything ready to go. It sounds to me like she's well on her way to, you know, uh, really having a, a lifetime of, of great fishing and outdoor memories, which is just, we need more of that with our kids. Yeah, I, I couldn't have I couldn't have it any other way. I, I just could not not have her out there with me. And the alternative is sitting home and watching Disney Plus for how many hours out of the day or trying to get her outside. Like she told me yesterday before we went out, she said, But I, I don't feel like fishing today. It's like, no, you want to sit and watch TV. This is what I'm saying in my head. Yeah. I'm like, I'll let you walk in the water. Okay. Yeah. I got to wear my Crocs. <laughs> yep, you can wear your Crocs. You have to wear your Crocs. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I'll wear them. <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing you it, all matching, way. right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. She she did really well on that one. Um, I I can't stop myself from coaching her a little bit, like tip up, because it's stuff I see that needs to happen. Like tip up, tip up, but. I kick myself sometimes because I do it like instinctually. Like, okay, turn it over, turn it over, recast. And she'll be sitting on the bank with her snacks and her, her water bottle and she'll have her water bottle. I see too much of myself in her because it's a, something I do mostly because I wear a chest pack, but I take my water bottle and just set it on my chest when I'm standing there waiting, watching. It's just, and it's just right there at mouth level. I turn and I take my drink. Mm-hmm. And I see her over my shoulder and she's sitting there. She's got her water bottle on her chest. And she says, tip up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Close uh, your mouth. <laughs> it, it, I can tell you it never ends. My 16-year-old, well, she's almost 17 now. Um, we'll, we'll go out and we'll, we'll be, you know, fishing uh, wherever. And I'll be like, hey, men, men, men. And she's like, what? I'm like, man, you're lying, you know, <laughs> walk your, walk your wrist, you know, cause she'll like start, she'll get tired. She's like, this sucks. You know, she'll be out there flipping around. She's got an eight weight of all things. She should be able to help her with a mile. And when she does it right, she does. But other than that, it, it just never ends. But, but then I'll do something. I'll wrap up in a tree or something like that. Cause I get so like intensely focused. I'll see, I'll be sight fishing something. I'll wind up. She's like, see, even you screw up too. I'm like, shut up, get out of here. You know? <laughs> he told me nice job one time when I, I, I hook set and it was a nice, nice set. It was hardy. It was beefy. It was probably like, probably a seven to eight inch in this tiny little nothing. So I, I like, I gave it a little bit when I felt how much, how much resistance it was. And I had a splash above the water and then through the, I used barbless exclusively. So sometimes that's just luck of the draw Mm -hmm. but through the hook and the hook went straight above me into a hemlock and she had been standing there because i said yeah well i'm gonna cast in here and then we walk up to the next spot and she saw that happen and she says nice job and sits down (laughs) (laughs) freaking kids (laughs) level of confidence and sarcasm because Uh. it couldn't be for me no, <laughs> never, never comes from the parents. They learn that stuff in school, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was a bomb of a nice job, and she just <laughs> sits down and starts rummaging through her snack bag. Of course. <laughs> I guess I get time for some cheese crackers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There goes the crackers, some water done. Yeah. Well. Well, Nate, you know, we're coming up on our hour here. Uh, before we go, how, how can people get a hold of you if they want to buy your flies or talk to you about uh, fishing methods with the Tenkara, you know, or, or just uh, get in touch with you about any other general stuff like the Camp Dry or fly recipe? Uh, I'm on Instagram. If, you, if you're looking for flies or something, it's best streamlined. Just go for Camp Kabari. It's Camp underscore Kabari, all lower letters. C-A-M-P underscore K-E-B-A-R-I. And uh, I'm also on there as Camp Made. Same, same deal, all lowercase. And reach out to me. I'll, 
I'll walk you through it best I can. Uh, if if I can't do it, I'll send you to someone who can. There's plenty of knowledge out there, and I just want to make sure everyone's doing the best to fish their best. And if you want my flies, good, I'll tie them for you. Thank you. <laughs> well, everybody, as always, thanks so much for listening. Nate, thanks so much for coming on, dude. We really do appreciate it. I'm glad we got to talk and just catch up some, man. And But uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by Trout Lander Nets, Lid Rig, Maxon Outfitters, and Morris Flyco. Um, you can check out the discounts. Uh, you can either message us for them or you can check them out in the show notes. And Brian, you got anything deep? I just want to put the shout out there to anybody listening to this episode. Make sure you go over and check out Nate's stuff. He's got some awesome stuff on Instagram. Check out his Etsy store as well. And as always, I like to give the shameless plug to the podcast here. You can follow us on any one of the social media platforms with the exception of Twitter. We are under Working Class Fishing, Working Class Fishing Podcast. You'll find your places that you want to find us at. If you're interested in being a guest or you have a suggestion, feel free to email us at workingclassfish at gmail.com. And as always, we would like it if you would follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Or if you want to check out some of our other awesome content, we have quite a bit on YouTube. You can find us there. Make sure to sub us. Shoot us a message. Let us know you sub, especially if you're another creator. We will sub you back. Uh, other than that, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to today. And hopefully you guys all have a great day. So until next time, thank you so much for listening.